0: So now it's the opportunity for us to sit in meditation and um, engage in in inner cultivation. And what this means is that we use this time to bring our samadhi together into just one point. So that single point can be the breath. So the breath as it comes in and as it leaves. And we can try... Counting the breath, if we like, we count in pairs like I've previously previously taught. So count the first pair in one, out one, and carry on up to five, and then go back to one again, and then increase this by one more pair each time. Some people prefer to count quickly with the breath, so as the breath comes in, you count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And then as it leaves, count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And you can count up to 6 or whatever number um, feels good. You just use that. But the meaning of all of these methods is that we want to bring our minds onto just one object. Because during our daily lives, we receive many different objects of attention there's a huge number that come into our minds and then our minds go and proliferate upon those and create stories about me and others so if our minds aren't peaceful then they'll just constantly and frantically run about after all of these impressions that they meet And if there's a sense object or a sense impression that is the basis for happiness, then our hearts will become happy. And if we meet with an object that's the basis for disliking or sadness, then our hearts become sad. And so they're always giving chase and never experiencing any rest. There's just this frantic moving about. And it's especially so in our the current state of the world, that there's a lot of chaos that's going on and more than normal. So therefore it's important that at this time we try and put it all down, just put it all aside. All of this chaos, all of the issues, everything to do with the past and the future, all of our experiences at work and everything Just put that all aside. And it's the time now to develop our minds and bring them to peace. And so it's important that our hearts have a resting place. They have a place that they can put down their worries and feel at ease. And Venerable Ajahn Chah would ask the monks and novices Have you found this? Have you found a home, a resting place for your mind? The resting place for our bodies are these physical houses that we live in. But the resting place for the mind, for our hearts, is samadhi, is this collectedness and grounded um, abiding. So the cultivation of samadhi is something that's very important. And the way we do it is by using our mindfulness to keep our minds there on a single theme. And this act of keeping the mind there is vitaka and vichara, the initial application and the um, sustained application of the mind. This creates peace and calm in our hearts that is the basis for pity or joy to arise. There can be um, this great peace that can come up, and it's not just while we're sitting in meditation that this can happen. Sometimes we may be walking in nature and feel a great sense of ease through doing that. We may contemplate and see that the trees around us are providing oxygen for our bodies. And there's this constant exchange that's going on that the trees give off oxygen and we breathe that in and then breathe out carbon dioxide in return. And then the trees take up that carbon dioxide. So this is a way of contemplating into the elements and seeing that there is this cycle and interdependence in nature. Seeing that all of these things, our bodies, the trees, it's all a collection of elements. The trees depend upon elements And we depend upon the oxygen that the trees provide. We depend on all of the things that nature gives us. When we reflect in this manner, then it's possible to come to a place of stillness and peace. And we do that through contemplation. And this is what we know as wisdom-developing samadhi. So there are two ways of bringing about um, calmness in the mind. The first is to take a calming object, a samatha object. So, for example, to keep our minds on the breath, the in-breath, the out-breath. We may count fast as we're doing this, we may count in pairs. The other method is to use contemplation to bring about calm. So we may contemplate into the nature of the body and see that once these physical forms have been born then they need to pass away they will at some point break apart that our lives are not sure but death is sure and our lives will end in death life is not sure death is not sure and we can bring that up as a as a phrase that we repeat So this is a way of contemplation, investigation, giving rise to peace and calm. So these skillful means to bring about calm are of two varieties. One is through using a calming object such as the breath, and the other is through contemplation to bring about peace. Because some people are of the temperament to think a lot, And if they try to just be with the breath, maybe they try counting, maybe they try uh, this method of of using the breath in pairs, and still it doesn't really work. The mind is just as frantic as it was before. So it's skillful then for that kind of person to use this thinking mind and to use contemplation to break up the body um, and see it in terms of its elements See that it's inconstant and unstable. So for some people, this will work. Um, And there's no need to doubt about it at all. Whatever we use that brings the mind to peace, then we just use that. Because there are some places in the scriptures that say that If we use a method of contemplation, all we'll be able to get to is upajara, a neighborhood concentration. But it's not necessary to worry about this, because when the mind becomes more refined, then it'll be able to watch the breath in a more refined way as well. We'll be able to come back to the breath and use that as our object. So in the beginning, just use whatever works to bring about peace and calm. So we just put down all of the difficulties, all of the problems that are there in our lives. We leave that aside for now, for the next 30 minutes or the next hour. Just put down all of the emotions that we're feeling as well and bring our minds to the breath, to the in-breath, to the out-breath or contemplate this body in terms of elements, or seeing it as being empty. We can contemplate into the nature of our feelings and emotions as well, seeing those as being empty. If we get a sense of this emptiness, then the mind becomes very quiet and still. And so this is an object of meditation that the Buddha taught you know, to place our minds and recollect um, emptiness. Um, um, this is a means of developing and cultivating our hearts. But if we need some more, oh, sorry, if there's a lot of thoughts that are going on, then we try breathing in very deeply filling up our lungs to maximum capacity and then we breathe all of the air out and do this three times once we've done that then we um, bring our minds back to the former meditation object that that we were using so we can contemplate anew or go back to just the normal breath again another means of trying to lessen or stop thoughts is to press our tongue firmly against the palate of our mouths. And as we push it up like this, then the thoughts should calm down and eventually just stop altogether. So these are methods that we can try out uh, from time to time. And they're especially useful if there's a lot of proliferation and thoughts going on. But as we carry on practicing, we carry on cultivating this, then um, our minds will calm down and they'll come into a very peaceful state and many strange and unusual things can occur at this time. It's natural that there's a lot of joy um, that fills out the heart and maybe tears will start flowing down our cheeks. The heart feels... Um, really filled up with this happiness. And this can come from recollecting the good actions that we've done, or even uh, rejoicing in the wholesome deeds of other people as well. That we hear about people who have done good things, helped out in society, or have gone to the monastery and made donations. And we express our joy, or we inwardly feel a sense of gladness at all of the good things that they've done. And this feeling joy um, at the meritorious actions of others is the cultivation of merit within our own hearts as well, and a method of bringing about calm and peace. Another recollection we can use is jaganusati, which is the recollection of the things that we've given up and sacrificed. And this can be a way of bringing about ease in our hearts. For those of us who have a lot of faith, then Buddha Nusati, Dhamma Nusati, Sangha Nusati, the recollection of the Triple Gem, can be a very fruitful object. As well as this, there's the recollection of uh, our sacrifices, as I mentioned before, and also the uh, recollection of the devas as well. That devas are beings that have hiri otapa. They have a fear of wrongdoing and a shame over wrongdoing as well. These are all the meditation objects concerned with recollection. And they're suitable for those who are strong and firm in faith. And it's normal that for people who practice Buddhism, consider themselves Buddhists, that they'll have faith in their hearts. But for some people, they're more inclined towards wisdom. And for them, a more fruitful object of meditation would be those concerned with uh, investigation and contemplation. So we can bring up these themes of anicca, dukkha, anatta, of inconstancy, stress, and not self. Or we can contemplate into the nature of emptiness and recollect that as well. And this can be very good for those who have studied and learned a lot because we know intellectually about the nature of the physical world, that these bodies are just a collection of elements. And when we break those elements down, then what we'll find are protons, neutrons and electrons. And if we break those down, then we'll see there's no abiding self there at all. It's just these elements. And the elements are just a collection of energy. When we pull apart the elements, separate them out, then we'll see that that's really the way it is. That it's just energy or electricity. And when that stops, there's no self to be found. So if the mind is firm in peace, then when we contemplate in this way, we'll be able to see the truth of that. We're able to understand emptiness and realize not self. See that all of the beings, all of the animals, the people, everything in this world is empty. All of the elements that comprise the beings of this world is empty as well. And in seeing that, we'll see that the whole of the solar system that we're in, the whole of the entire universe is just empty. Everything is emptiness. And so when we can see into the empty nature of all physicality and mentality, then we'll have realized the inner nature of awakening that's there in our hearts. And our minds will be lifted up above the world. And this is a really amazing state to experience. There'll be a great feeling of gratitude towards the Buddha because we'll have recognized the huge amount of difficulty and pain that he went through that he stayed in the cycle of samsara for an extremely long time and experienced much suffering in order to be able to develop his paramitas, his spiritual perfections. When he had developed them to one degree, he received the prediction that he would become a Buddha in the future. But even from that point, he had to carry on in Samsara for an extremely long period of time meeting with much difficulty and much pain but he was willing to do it because he had this aspiration to lead all beings out of suffering so we can see that the great compassion of the buddha is boundless it's endless that he had to be born and take birth into these various levels of existence um, for countless times in order to be able to help the beings of the world. If we think about it, for us just to help out, to sincerely help out just one person or two people, it's not easy. And the uh, the um, level of relief that we're able to give them from their suffering, it's, it's just to one degree and it's only temporary relief as well. So we can see that we are just like one tiny cell in the whole of the universe if we compare it to the Buddha and his compassion which fills up the whole universe. Even though the deep peace and joy the Buddha experienced upon his enlightenment was profound, he still went out to teach. And the first people that he taught were the five ascetics. He walked 300 kilometers in order to be able to bring the Dharma to them. And it took him 11 days. And even though he, was, he had that kindness to do that, when he met these five ascetics, they tried to run away from him. They wouldn't receive him and they wouldn't... Um, they wouldn't uh, take care of him. And if it was us, you know, if we went out of our way to help people like that, and they showed just a little bit of reluctance to receive our help, then already we'd feel uh, disheartened, and we wouldn't want to go any further than that. would throw away our efforts. But the Buddha felt like he needed to teach them. He needed to relieve their suffering and show them the path that leads out of pain. And the reason he felt that deep desire was because he had made that aspiration a long time ago to build up his Baramis and to take birth countless times in order to be able to help the beings And so he developed his baramis, his paramitas, in order to relieve suffering. And the first people he was able to help were these five ascetics. And because of the barami that they themselves had built up, they could see and realize the dharma that he taught. After this, the compassion And the Buddha's heart led him to teach and spread the Dharma for 45 more years. And it really wasn't difficult, it wasn't easy for him to have done that. But he was willing to go through that difficulty. Willing to go out and be of benefit um, to all of the humans, the devas, the brahmins. That they could receive this message of truth. And even animals could benefit from his teachings as well. And there are occasions, um, many occasions, during the time of the Buddha when animals passed away, they got reborn into the deva realms because of the Buddha's teachings. There's one example of a frog who was sitting there listening to the Buddha give a sermon. And that flow of the dharma imbued this frog's heart with joy. And someone happened to walk along and mindlessly um, squashed the frog with a walking stick. And the frog died right there. But because of that joy and listening to the dharma, the frog was able to be reborn in the deva realms. So it was also animals that benefited from the Buddha's kindness and compassion as well. Even in his old age, when he got his body was quite tired and got very sick, he still went to teach. And in his last day, he walked, even though he had uh, blood in his stool. Um, and he was very ill. He still spent the whole day walking in order to teach uh, one last person. And we can see that his compassion was great. And so for us as well, that we have been born in this time, as a human, that we have the opportunity to receive the teachings of the Buddha. And this is a great opportunity. It's the best opportunity that anyone can get in this realm of samsara. That we can meet with the path that the Buddha laid out, this way that takes us to the end of suffering. So therefore, all of us, we should be sincere in following this path. And even though it may not be easy to walk it, still we carry on out of faith. The fact that we all have this faith in the Buddha and his teachings in our hearts show that we ourselves have created much bharami. We've developed our spiritual qualities in the past. So we must use this opportunity well and be sincere um, in cultivating our hearts in developing this path of dana, sila, bhavana. And even though the last factor of that, bhavana, this mental cultivation, is very difficult, uh, still we carry on with it. We carry on training our hearts little by little. We go against uh, the flow of the inclinations of our mind and instead try to bring them to peace. Watch our in-breath and out-breath until we're able to gain peace. Or we can contemplate into the nature of arising and ceasing. And so morality, sila, uh, once that is well developed, it gives rise to samadhi. And then once we've cultivated samadhi well, then this will allow for wisdom to manifest. So all of us should really use this opportunity as best we can. That we have great fortune to have met with these teachings, to have the chance to practice the Dhamma, that we've been born as a human, we've met with these teachings, so we should really try to bring them into our lives and develop them. Whether we're standing, sitting, walking, lying down, we always have mindfulness and recollect the Buddha Dhamma Sangha. We can use the meditation words of Buddha Dhamma Sangha, or we can be chanting Itipiso, the recollection of the Buddha Dhamma Sangha, or cultivating, uh, sorry, contemplating into the nature of elements and seeing that they're all inconstant and unstable. And in the end, we'll be able to see all of this for ourselves with clarity. See that the body is really just comprised of these four elements. When we've done that, then the mind will turn into the. Uh, a mind that has gone beyond the world, it's raised up above the world, above all of the um, chaos that we can find here. What we start from, however, is a mind that itself is chaotic, that has no peace to it, but as we forbear and we endure, we put our efforts in and we um, bring up zeal in the practice, in the end we will meet with peace even though there's a lot of thinking that may go on we try to keep our minds onto just one object keep them there with the breath or contemplate into the elements that comprise the body see how when they break up there's no self to be found there we carry on doing this we contemplate often bring up these meditation objects frequently and when we do that in the end we'll meet with peace when we see the nature of all external and internal things, we really come to an understanding of what they're like, then the mind will become profoundly calm. So all of us try to train ourselves to cultivate and develop our minds. And it's coming up close to the rains retreat now. Um, It's not too long away, today being the uh, 25th of June. So may you all be sincere in this practice.